Oh, a good nerve Shabbos. Today's daf is daf Kofei. Page 105 in the Hedegah Mesechus Babakama. We're in Perak Hagoizel Eitzim. And we are on daf Kofei at the two dots. We're going to call it eight lines from the top of the daf at the colon. Here we go. Our Mishnah taught us that if somebody steals from some, if uh, Ruvain steals from Shimon, swears falsely that he hadn't stolen, and now he's busted. So he's going to have to pay the principal amount, the Karen, an additional fifth for the false oath and a asham sacrifice for the false oath. Now the Mishnah had taught us that anytime you're obligated in a principal payment, that then we say, anytime you're obligated in a principal payment, that's where we say that um, you got to chase the guy to Madai. Yeah, to pr- pay the principal amount that you stole, you have to make sure the victim gets all of his money back. But the additional fifth, and uh, th- that needs to be paid back. You don't need to chase him uh, across the world. And the Mishnah said the same thing holds true if if let's say he paid everything off of the principal amount except for less than a, a financial value. Also, you don't need to chase him. It has to be a a bakavadik, a respectable amount of the principal, in order to have to chase him around. Now, uh, the reason why we don't uh, obligate somebody to chase around outside of the principal amount is because we don't want to make the, the chuva process harder than necessary. So here we go. Zakti Gemara Amar Papa Papa says, This is only true if this that you stole is no longer here. There, there we say that it doesn't make a difference. It's, it's, it's not a significant enough amount. You don't need to chase him around. But let's say... You have what you stole in front of you. So I steal uh, diamonds. And I give back most of it. And there's just a, a little shrapnel of it that's, that hasn't been given back yet. Even if it's le- le- worth less than a shampoo, I need to make sure that goes back to the owner. You got to chase the guy. Because things go up and down in value. So there's a concern it went up and it, it might go up in value. And it could, could be worth a shampoo. You got to chase him around. Let's make a difference whether you have something here or not. We're not concerned that it may go up in value. There's no, uh, there's no concern about such a thing. Okay, here we go. Gavaldik. Omar says, If somebody steals... Three bundles and they're valued at three prutas. Now again, a pruta is something that's considered to have respectable financial value. You could make uh, deals with this. And now their their value went down. That's hozal. It went down. And now these three bundles are only worth two prutas. So each bundle individually on its own has less than a financial value. If he returns two of the bundles, you're still obligated to return the third bundle. Now notice, at the time that you stole it, it was worth a shava pruta. And each one had its own value. Now when you're returning it, it went down in value. So now when you return two bundles, and the third bundle didn't yet have a shava pruta, says the Gemara, it doesn't matter. Bottom line is, it had value of pruta when you stole it. And you're obligated to give it back, okay? So what the Gemara is qualifying here is this this whole idea about not chasing somebody if it has less than the value of a shava pruta left. That is not that is not true. If it had a pruta value, if it had a financial value, 
uh, at the time that you stole it. Vatana tuna, and the Tana learned from our Mishnah. Gazal chametz rabalava pesach Listen to this. Somebody steals a case of Oreos a week before Pesach. He steals a, a, a case of Oreo cookies. Complete chametz. It's a week before Pesach. It's kosher, no problem. And now he owns it over Pesach. The problem is chametz rabalava pesach. If a Jew owns chametz over Pesach, you're not allowed to benefit from it anymore. So I may raise a Could he give it back to the owner and say, "Here's I'm giving you back your Oreos." I know you can't benefit, but the bottom line is, here's your Oreos. Says the Mishnah, yeah, you could do that. Time the reason you could do that is the Isebe name because you're practically speaking, you are giving back the same item that you took. Let's say the Oreo cookies are no longer here. Okay, let's say they're not here. So it means like this: I bought Oreo cookies. Uh, I'm sorry, I stole Oreo cookies. I have them over Pesach and now they're gone. Can you say to the owner, well, here's, here it is. What do you mean here it is? Show it to me. Well, anyway, so what am I going to say? What do you mean show it to you? You're right, I can't. So there's no value. But anyway, there's no value to you because if it would be here, you still can't benefit from it. No, 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 no. Says more, you can't do such a thing. Even though right now, there's no financial value. Keep on to make carbon money who buy shlume since originally at the time that you stole it, it had time, it had monetary value. In our, case, in our case as well, by the case of the three bundles that went down in value, even though right now the third one is not worth a shavu pruta, you still got to pay. Boy, Rava, Rava asked the question, searching for information. If somebody steals. Two bundles valued at one pruta. Okay, so at the time that he stole it, in the original case, each bundle had a value of a pruta at the time that you stole it. Over here, both bundles together have a value of a pruta. The hechzer and I only return one bundle. So I returned the value of less than a pruta to one of them. Mahu, what is the halacha? Do we say right now there's no gazela? Why? Because what I have currently, what I held on to, has no financial value. Again, I return, let's say a nickel gives something financial value. If I return something, I stole two things that combined are worth a nickel. I returned one. Do we say that you cannot say to the robber anymore, you have a stolen item in your hand? Because it's only considered a stolen item if it has financial value. Now you're looking at me, you're like, that thing's worth two and a half cents, no financial value, so there's no way to obligate, there's no way to obligate the robber. Or perhaps, or we say, listen, dude, bottom line is, you still have something that you're holding on to that belongs to somebody else. You took two things that had financial value, you want to give back part of it? So what? It doesn't make a difference. And I'll tell you, says the Gemara, here's the logic, you could even say it the other way, meaning, if he returns... One out of the two. Maybe we should say to the robber, you didn't return anything. The same way we're trying to say to him, the same way he wants to say, well, I don't have anything of financial value left. Maybe we could say to him, well, that means you never returned anything either. Because all you returned was half of a pruta value. So that's the that was Rubba's Shaila, his question of information. 
Hadar Pashto, then he went and answered it. He said, Gezeira, Gezeira, Inkan, Ashava, Inkan. He says, you know something? There's no Gezeira and there's no Ashava. You can't obligate him to return anything, but he also does not have, uh, he, it, there's no Gezeira in his hand. He also didn't return anything. You can't dance at two weddings at the same time. Make up your mind. If there's no longer a, a theft in his hand, so then he returned it. Even though there's less of a financial value in his property in his domain right now, because he only has two and a half cents worth, there's no obligation for him to return the remainder because, because uh, the, the item that was stolen is not considered to be by him. And Rava says, and now we're going to shift course to a new topic, but it is connected when somebody does part of a mitzvah, right? It's like, you have an obligation to you got to return the item that you stole, and you did part of it. So we're going to continue on to, uh, we're going to shift and segue to another halacha, where we have a similar uh, issue, which arises. To listen to this is incredible. New sugya. Rava, new topic. And Rava says, Haresha Amru Nazir Shagilach Vishir Shteisarais Lai Asavaloi Klum. There's a halacha from the Mishnah. A Nazir, at the, upon completion of his Nazirus, completely goes bald. If there's two hairs left on his head that are not cut off, like us of like club, he did nothing. He did nothing. He did not shave his head. Two hairs left, it's not considered a shaved head. By the way, this would also hold true if somebody is completely bald naturally, but for two hairs. Right? It's not considered like you have a, you, you cut your hair. So by Rabba, Rabba asked the question of information. Gilach achas v'nishara achas. What happens if afterwards he cuts off, he cuts one hair out of the two and the other hair fell out? People have hair that falls out, right? So he left two hairs, he left two hairs and then punked what happened was instead of shaving two of the, the two hairs, he cut one, the other one, the, the other one uh, falls out. Azor. So Mahu, what is the halacha? Is it considered like he shaved his head now? Because when you look at his head, do you see two hairs? No. Poof, they're gone. Except he had a chiv to cut it off, and he didn't. So, Amar le Ravachim, he dipti le Ravina, Ravachim dipti says to Ravina, he says, listen to this, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, what the halacha is. Nazir <clears throat> What happens if you have a Nazir who cuts off one hair? Now, what do you mean he cuts off one hair? Not that he only cut one, but he goes like this. Instead of shaving his whole head, he's got... A hundred thousand hairs on his head. So, but what he does, for whatever reason, is he cut, he shaves one hair. And then he shaves another hair. And then he shaves another hair. Until finally, he shaved off his entire head. Let me ask you a question. Is that called a shaving? Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? He's just taking his time. So, the Gemara says, so I don't understand. Why are you telling me a Nazar shaved his whole head besides for two hairs? And then he goes back, one hair fell out, and one hair gets cut. 
It's not a haircut? Why not? If while you're cutting your hair, and this happens to a lot of people, while you're cutting your hair, a hair fell out. That's fine. It's not a problem. So the Gemara is asking, why don't we view the other case also when he left over the two hairs and then one falls out and one gets shaved? Why don't we view that case like somebody who just cuts one hair at a time? Let it be a valid shaving for the Nazir. What's the problem? No. I'll tell you what happened. What happened was, you know where Yishayl is? Where you had two hairs left, one fell out and bumped his head. No, one fell out and then the second one was shaved. So the Shail is like this. Me, I mean, do we say, do we say like this? You left over two hairs. One hair falls out. Now, one second. You left over two hairs. Are you obligated to cut off the other two? Yeah. One falls off. When you cut one hair, that's not called a haircut. A one haircut is not called a haircut. That's one side of it. That's one approach. Maybe we're going to say, when you cut the last hair, it's not even called a shaving. In order for it to be called a shaving, you need multiple hairs. I do more perhaps, halav giluachu. Bottom line, right? Do we say his hair is shaved, or do we say that you need to cut at least two hairs? Then he went and answered, There's no hair, there's no shaving. Says what does that mean? Even though his hair is completely bald, his head's completely bald, there's not a hair left on his head. Mitzvah's giluach enkan, he has not fulfilled the mitzvah of shaving his head. Which means like this, incredible. The obligation for a nazir, for whatever reason, and I don't know the message in this. We should search this. But what we're learning from here is that the responsibility of the nazir is not to have a shaved head. The responsibility of a nazir is to shave the hairs on his head. So, even though this guy is a total baldy right now, it doesn't matter. It's not like he shaved everything. Because he left over two hairs. And then one falls off and he shaved once. That's not considered an, it's not considered an act of shaving. Hence, it doesn't matter if there's no hairs left on your head. It is not valid. You know what he's going to have to do? What do you do? So they say the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut is two weeks. Right? So that's what he's going to have to do. We'll have to wait till it grows back. Uh, wait uh, 30 days when it's called a, a growth. And after 30 days, he'll, he'll, give, he'll uh, cut his hair again. But this specific shaving is, uh, is not going to suffice. All right. Says the Gemara Viter. Says the Gemara further. says, Amru. It was also said, If you have a chavis, you have a barrel that is plugged up. Why was it plugged up? Because it got a hole. So a barrel with a hole ain't going to hold much. Yeah. So sediment went to the bottom and congealed for the barrel. Says the, says the Mishnah, it's now saved. All right. Now, what halacha are we talking about? What's happening over here? So... Um, it's referring to Tomas Mace. When you have a corpse 
in a room, the halacha is that corpse keeps spreading throughout, the, the impurity of the corpse spreads throughout the room. If there's a hole in the ceiling, then the impurity goes through that hole and into the next level too. What happens if I stuff up the hole with a barrel? I sit a barrel on top of the hole in the ceiling to, to stop it up. So here's where the Mishnah says, if sediment went to the bottom of the barrel to create a closure, so then Hitzilua, it saved everything that's on top of that room because now it's considered like a sealed barrel. And that sealed barrel is going to be a completion of the ceiling. What if somebody closed, what if the sediment closed off part of the hole? Okay, what if it only closed off part of the hole? Now, there's different size holes that ultimately everything is porous. So how big of a hole is a hole? Okay, so there's different size, certain size holes are considered closed up, even if there's still technically a small hole there, because it's not big enough to uh, to make an impact. Other ones, uh, but if it's uh, it's bigger, then yeah. So the so Rav asked the Shiloh, what happens if the sediment, the hole of the barrel really is too big, and the impurity should go through it. But part of the hole was closed by sediment. So then, how do we view it? Amir Rav Yemar Ravashi. Rav Yemar says to Ravashi, Lav Mishnah Seinu Hizu, isn't this an explicit Mishnah? The time we learned in our Mishnah, you have a barrel with a hole and the sediment closes it up. It saves the whole thing. What happened if you make a pakak? Yeah, you plug it up. A pakak in modern Hebrew is a traffic jam. Yeah, a pakak, it's stuffed up. What happens if you stuff it up as Meira with vines? So then, you, if, if vines is not enough to close the hole, you also need to be Mimareach. You also need to make some sort of paste over the area to close it off. Let's say there was two Zemairim. What if you have two uh, uh, vines that were there? So it has to be smeared around the sides. Uh, and also you have to have between each vine. The reason why it's closed off is the Merach. Because you smeared it. Let's didn't smear it. Smear it light. It wouldn't be considered closed. Why not? Why don't we say even though it's not considered closed... The bottom line is, you closed up the hole a little bit. So the Gemara says like this. If you have a big hole, we say, can you close it up with vines? We're poskening. It's not enough to just stick a vine in. You need to like smear it smooth. Close it off completely. So what do you see from here? If it's not closed completely, the tumor, the impurity can still go through. So let's go back to our, our Rava's original Shiloh. What was his Shiloh? You have a barrel with a hole on top of the roof, top of the ceiling. If the hole's too big, the impurity is going to keep spreading. Rubba asked the Shiloh, what happens if I close up the hole a little bit, but not completely? Then what? Says Gomorrah, well, you see from this Mishnah, it's got to be complete. It's got to be a complete closer, uh, closure, right? Because if it didn't need to be a complete closure... The vines themselves should suffice. I don't need to also completely close it with the uh, with the smearing. I mean, they said hachi hashda. No, there's no proof from here. If you don't put the paste around the vines, the vines aren't going to stay there. 
they're not firm enough to stay this. Maybe that's why you need like the plaster there. However, when it comes to you know the size of a hole and you have pla- the plaster itself or you have a sediment that's there, then um, uh, I'm sorry, plaster. We don't need to deal with sediment. That was the last case. Deal with plaster. That's going to stay there and maybe a partial... Um, or we'll call it, and, and maybe making the hole smaller with plaster would suffice. Okay, maybe. Bottom line is, we don't have a proof either way. All right. Viyama Rava and Rava says, two lines from the bottom of Kufa Yavad Alev. Harei Amru, Gazo Chametz, Rav Lava Pesach, somebody steals Chametz, and then he keeps it over Pesach, so nobody's let it benefit. He can still give it back to the owner. Boy Rava, and on this, Rava asked the question, searching for information. We now turn to the top of Amr Beis. Nishbaal of Mahu, what happens if somebody steals a container of Oreos a week before Pesach? After Pesach, he's accused, and he swears falsely that he never did it. Now here's an interesting question. At the time that he stole, there's no value to the Oreos. I'm sorry, not the time that he stole, I'm sorry, mistake. At the time that he swore, after Pesach, there's no value to the Oreos. So what's the consequence over there? Me, I mean, keep it boy, do we say that? If it would have, uh, um, if the Chametz is stolen beforehand, he would have had to pay him a minor it's as if he's being kaifer b'mam and as if he's mamish denying money. And what do you do in, the, in such a situation? Knock him over the head. He's got to pay. He's got to pay for full value. That's, that's one side of the Shailah. Or perhaps Hashem Yazmanach. But the bottom line is, the Chametz is here. So if the Chametz is here, you got to give it back. So now that he says, what are you talking about? I didn't steal it. We, there's no value to what he said. So maybe we don't throw the book at him. And there's no added fifth to pay. You know, that's how you swear falsely. You're going to add a fifth on to what? Nothing of value. Because it's Chamesh of Abbezach. You're not allowed to benefit. There's no value here. So you can't throw the book at him. That's the Shiloh over here. You know, this question of Rabba, Rabba did not have a problem with. Rabba says clearly, Shari Ganafta, if you say to somebody, listen, buddy, you stole my axe. He says, Nuh-uh. And I say, well, if, if you didn't steal my ox, why is it, why is my ox plowing in your field on Shuldik's mirror? What's it doing? Uh, he said, what's doing? He said, Shem Rechinam on the Yalav. You know why I have it? You know why I have it? I'm a Shem Rechinam. Because uh, you asked me to watch it. I'm not a god if you asked me to watch it. And then he swears that he's a Shem Rechinam. I didn't stay. I didn't steal nothing. You gave it to me to watch. He's obligated. He was, he was uh, removing himself from any responsibilities. What if he says, that I'm a paid watcher? Also, what if the guy says, Well, you know why it's in my field? You know why the dog's in my field? I didn't steal it. I borrowed it. And then he swears that he borrowed it. He's proved to be a liar. He's also liar. Aomi, you see from here, Rav the Hakoyim, even though you have an animal that's mom is standing in front of us and is going to go back to the original owner. See, when the robber steals it, 
and denies the theft by saying I'm a borrower, what's going to ultimately happen with the ox? What's going to happen? Is the owner going to get it back? Yeah. So when the thief swears falsely, is he causing a loss to the owner? No. See, again, notice was gishmak. This is incredible. When a normal robber says, no, I didn't steal, I understand why you throw the book at him. Because you were going to cause a big loss to the owner. Over a year, when the guy says, I didn't steal it, I borrowed it. Is that claim of borrowing going to cause a loss to the owner? No. He's going to give the animal back. The animal's going back to the owner. But says the Gemara, beautiful. What do you see from here? Alma, you see, even though the animal is going to go back, and he's this oath, this lie, is not causing a financial loss to the owner. You still need to pay. Kivan di It was considered a denial of money. Over here too, we're going to say it's it's uh, considered a denial of money. So too, when you steal before Pesach, and after Pesach he swears when it didn't have any value, so you're going to say, aye, he's not causing a loss to the owner. Anyway, though, this thing has no value. No. So what's the proof? You are obligated. Um, you are uh, obligated to bring a carbon, and you're you're obligated in the responsibilities. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yosef Rabba was sitting and teaching over this halacha again. Even if someone doesn't have financial value, but you swear falsely, you're not going to cause a loss. You still have to bring a carbon asham. It says when somebody denies a financial obligation, this is excluding somebody who's maida be'ikr. What does maida be'ikr mean? I admit that I owe you the main money, but there's some other parts of it that I deny. Ketzad, for example, I say to Yankel, Yankel, you stole my axe. Yankel says, Nuh-uh. So I say, my tivu Well, guess what? My axe is in your backyard. Why is it there? He says, I didn't steal it. You sold it to me. You gave it to me as a gift. Your father sold it to me. Your father gave it as a gift. Or it, it, you know why it's in my backyard? Because it ran into my backyard. I don't know. You ask your. If you want to know what it's doing in my domain, go ask your ox. I don't know. I didn't take it. It was, it was lost on the side of the road. I'm just holding on to it to see who the owner is. Yeah, and you want to claim it's yours? Okay, so uh, prove it. But I didn't steal it. I'm an unpaid watcher. I'm a paid. I'm a borrower. He swears falsely. And then afterwards, he admits. I would say you're obligated. You see very clearly... There is no responsibility to bring an asham under these circumstances. Again, what are these circumstances? All these claims, you're not causing a loss to the owner because ultimately he would get it back. So from here you see, there's no chi of carbon when you're not going to have caused a loss. Amalei, Tedura, 
He says, Tadura, which is a detrimental uh, expression. Ki tanya hahi degamar helech. Ki kamina dekaima ba'agam. You don't understand. He's basically saying you don't understand what's happening over here. There's a difference. You can't bring a proof. Because in one case, the guy says, oh, it's your animal. Come and so take it. My case where I say you're obligated to bring a carbon ashram, it's the kaima ba'agam. It's, it's, it literally means it's standing in a swamp. What it means is the guy's not giving it back right now. So what he's responding is like this. If I go over to Yankel, I'm like, Yankel, that's my... That, uh, um, um, I, I say, Yankel, uh, you stole my ox. And Yankel says, no, I didn't. So I say, what's it doing in your yard? If Yankel says, well... It's here because I found it. I'm a watcher. It ran here. You sold it to me. Your father sold it. Whatever. Any case it is. So then he's basically saying like, I'm giving you back your value. Here it is. I'm going to give you value. I'm going to give you the item itself. Or I'm paying you for it. But where's the other case where we say you're going to be high taking oath? That's where he says, oh, it's your ox. Well, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. So he wasn't planning on giving it back immediately. Hence, that's where there's going to be a chiruv, a, 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 chiruv, a responsibility of uh, bringing a carbon ashram on the false oath. Okay? Again, all the original cases, he was given the ox back. So now the Gemara is going to question that because remember, what was one of the first cases where we said, uh, you know, I said to Yankel, it's mine, and Yankel said, no, you sold it to me. In the case of you sold it to me or you gave it to me as a gift, is Yankel going to give it back to me now? Probably not. Right, he's claiming he owns it. So ask the Gemara, Atamachartli, the Bigarika. In the first cases where he claims it was sold to him, he's not going to give it back. No, you sold it to me, but I didn't pay you yet. So if you just want to take it back, take it back. But I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. You gave me as a present. Where's uh, there? It seems like he wants to hold on to it. No, he says, "Yo, you know why it's by me? Because you told me that you'll give it to me as a present if I make you or your father happy." And obviously, I didn't make you happy. So, shakol turach vazil, take your ox back. This guy, you know, this guy, what's happening? The, the Ganav is trying to save face, right? He's trying to save face, but he's but his. Denial is not stopping the uh, the original owner from taking it back, and therefore there's not going to be a carbonation. I found on the side of the road. Lay me by the durily. The guy says, "Well, if you found on the side of the road, why is it in your backyard? He should have given it to me." I didn't know it was yours. Yeah, I found a lost uh, a lost animal. I didn't know. Now that you want to claim it's yours, give me a simon. Give me a sign, and uh, and we'll make it yours. Okay. Tanya, we learned in a so Omar ben Azai, ben Azai says, Shloisha Shavuos There's three types of oaths that come into play, and Rashi uh, Rashi says, there's three, Rashi explains three types of oaths that come into play 
when witnesses don't want to testify on behalf potential witnesses. No, witnesses don't want to testify in court. They don't want to come to court to testify on behalf of a litigant. Okay? So there's three unique scenarios that happens. Hikirba Velai Bemaitza. Okay. Let's say you have a witness who says, you know, I the the guy was Makir, the you know, the I'm sorry, the the guy who law I as a witness recognized the item but not the person who found it. Okay? So, in other words, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> he says, I saw an animal somewhere. <clears throat> I just don't remember where. I don't remember where. Now, but he's coming to testify that he found in, that, that you know, he, he recognizes this cow when he, he had seen the cow. Now, what this does for us and how is this going to help a court? Not so clear yet. But this is one type of testimony. Where the guy says, I know all about the ox or the animal. I just don't know about the, the uh, who found it. The maitza, or I recognize that this guy found something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And the guy says, I'm testifying. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. Okay. Says the Gemara. One second. If the guy swears that he, he doesn't know who the finder is or the animal, so then this whole thing is being done truthfully. Uh, no, he says that I, he he does know everything about it. Okay. Um, in other words, I recognize who found it and I recognize the animal. In all these cases, by the way, to just make the matter clear. What happened was this witness testified, swore, and then was found to be a liar. So these are the three cases we're referring to. Okay, this guy lied. So he says, I recognize, we thought the case was, he says, I don't recognize anybody. He says, okay, fine, so leave. Like, you're not testifying at all. You're not, you're not doing anything. He says, no, the case must be where he says, I recognize everything, and then he was found to be a liar. He says, okay, lemai hochasa. What are the circumstances surrounding these three cases? Ravami Brochanina, Brochanina say, Liftar. The aid is not going to have to um, bring a carbon asham for his oath. Okay? Because he's not causing anything specific. No, the reason why we're mentioning this is because the aid would be responsible. Why? If somebody takes a. Um, uh, somebody. Uh, gets a uh, single witness and he wants somebody to testify on his behalf. And the guy says, I, I don't, I'm not coming to testify, I know nothing. The Allah is Pater. say that he is, uh, he's Chayev. Now, what happened over here was you have a litigant coming and saying that there's, that this guy who we'll call Yankel knows testimony that can help me. Yankel says, I know nothing. I know nothing. Um, and then it's found out that he does know something. He did see things. So then he's part of being a shvua, according to the Tanakhama. says, you are a What's the source of the dispute over here? Mar Savar, 
One Tana holds if when you cause a loss. Now, by not testifying, you're not directly doing anything. You're just not allowing one side to benefit. Is that called financial value? So Blessed Reb Shimon says, yeah, it's called financial value. Umar Savar Lakamamadami. The other one says, no, it's not Kamamadami. It's not considered like you caused any, uh, it's not considered a financial um, false oath. We're not dealing with finances. Nothing is, uh, was, was ever said. And therefore, you, you can't throw uh, an Asham sacrifice at him. Amr Rav Shesha says, Rav Shesha says, Hakaifer Bipi Nasa Love Gazlan. If you deposit, a bull by me and you come to get it and I deny it, my denier turns me into a robber. The of Bainson. And if something goes wrong, I'm obligated on everything. Even if it's an Ainus, even if it's a total accident. Now, let's go let's let's understand this. You asked me to watch a bull. Okay. You didn't pay me. If it were to get lost, am I responsible? No. A shemrachinim, an unpaid watcher, is not responsible. Then you come to me, you're like, okay, Tedler, uh, I want my bull back. You're like, my bull? What bull? What are you talking about? I don't know what you're referring to. I just became a gazlan, and a robber is responsible if anything happens. So says, Rav Sheishas, a person who denies that something was ever deposited by him, Nasal of Gaza becomes a Gaza, Chayav becomes Chayav in accent. V'tanatun and our Tanatalos, V'chichish ba, when a person denies it, L'manu Aynesh, we learned the punishment, Azar Aminayin, where's the warning against such an Avera of denying something that's in your domain? Don't deny falsely. My love, L'Aynesh Kfira. Aren't we dealing with when that... Even if you didn't swear falsely per, per se, but just by claiming that you didn't have it, it creates a responsibility. So it's more like it's only when there's a, it's only a punishment when it comes to a false shvua. Says Seifa the ishtaba In the seifa we said that he swore falsely, which means in the Reisha, he didn't swear falsely. Why? Because we're assuming there's a difference between the first case and the second case. Diktani Seifa, we learned that in the second case, Vinishbala Sheker, he has to swear for the false oath that he took. There you learn the punishment. If for somebody who swears falsely when it comes to financial matters, and what's the punishment again? You add on to a you add a fifth onto whatever he's denying, plus you bring a Krabban Ashim. Asara Minayan, where's there a warning against doing this Avera Tamar Lamar Lisa Shakri? You're not allowed to lie. Umi the Seifa de Ishtaba, so in the Seifa we're dealing with the case where he swore falsely, Rashid Vaishtab. In the first case, he he didn't swear falsely. Okay? Now, if he didn't swear falsely, and we're still saying that you become a Goslin, this is a raya to Rav Sheshes, that a Kaifer Bipikadim. Once a person denies having a deposit by him, you become a Goslin. I mean, they said, no, either case is dealing where uh, both the Rashi and are dealing with where he swore falsely. Khan Shahida, Khan Shabo Adam. But the difference is going to be after he swore falsely. In one case, we're going to call it the the uh, seifa. In the seifa, he came afterwards and said, "You know what? I regret having sworn falsely." He admitted on his own. In the other case, he didn't admit on his own. Adam had to show him. Also, Adam chayav 
So when when Adam come, then he's chayav in Einsim. You know why? Because he's a gazlan now. He's a robber. But if he if he admits he never became a gazlan, rather he became a shvua sheker, somebody who swears falsely. And Allah, somebody who swears falsely is you have to add on a, a chaymish. You add on the fifth plus you bring the asham plus you bring the asham sacrifice. Masiv Rabbi Barchama. Rabbi Barchama asked a challenging question. What happens when you have two opposing forces and one of them is suspected for swearing falsely? Okay. Now, what does this mean? Says interesting, very interesting halacha. Let's Rashi explains what's happening over here, and it's it's, it's fascinating on today's daf. All the mishnayos that we're bringing down, just to look at the words, is unclear. You need Rashi to like fill us in on on the background story. So here's the background story of this case. All right, interesting. I claim who's who's uh, next to who's on the first person on the Zoom screen here next to me. So I have Gershon Simcha. I got Gershon Simcha over here. Okay. So, I claim, I'm sorry, Reb Gershon Simcha goes to Bezin, you go to Bezin, and you claim that I have a $100 deposit of yours, and you want it back. I say, I owe you 50 you deposited 50, not 100. When I'm when I admit to part of a claim, the halacha is, Bezdin throws an oath at me. I pay the 50, and then I also have to take an oath on the other 50. See, if I would deny the whole thing, then you would just have to prove that it's yours. I don't, I don't got to do it. I don't need to take an oath. I don't need to pay anything. If I deny the whole thing, the assumption is that that's just you're so chutzpahdik that when so, if it were true that I wouldn't have received something from you, I wouldn't have such chutzpah. If I if I admit to part of it, you might actually be right. And the reason why I'm admitting to part is because I want to pay some of it now and some of it later, but I'm just not being straight up about it. So by 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 a partial admission, the halacha is you get chayav an oath. Okay. So again, regards me, you say tell her. A hundred bucks you owe me. And I'm like, nope, I owe you 50. So Bezdin would obligate me in an oath. Now here's where our halacha starts. If I, who am obligated to take an oath, am chashud ala which means if I have a history of not being honest with my oaths, if I have, a, if I, if I have such a history like that, then the halacha is, you, Reb Gershon Simcha, are, are going to be the one to take the oath that I owe you the other 50. If one, if the party that's obligated on the oath is chashur al suspected about taking false oaths, so then the other litigant takes the oath. So instead of me swearing I don't owe you the other 50, I'll pay you 50, and then you'll take the oath I owe you the other 50, and then I got to give you the other 50. Once you're not chashur al anymore, okay? Because you're not chashur al you're not suspected, but I'm suspected. Okay. Ketzai, for example. Even a shvua shav. That a person just, you know, makes unnecessary oaths. So, we'll have the other party take the oath. Now, if it's true. If, if, uh, if it's true, 
that when somebody denies you become a robber, just the fact that he denied it, turn him into a robber and make, it, make him no longer qualified to take an oath. Why do you got to swear? Why do you got to say, oh, you know what? The guy swore falsely. What do you mean? The guy just made himself into a robber. I mean, they explain, how come my skin? What are we dealing with? No, where the thing that was deposited is way in the swamp, which means it's not around for the shimer, for the watcher to give it back. We're not going to call him a robber if he denies it, because he's just saying naah because he needs a little bit of time to go get it back. But he really does plan on giving it back to the uh, to the original owner. And Teda, this has to be true. If a person denies uh, a loan, he still remains kosher, and it turned out that it, it wasn't true. Okay, I deny ever having received a loan, and two witnesses come and say, "No, no, you did take a loan." I'm still. Uh, allowed to testify about uh, to testify in court. I'm a kosher aide, but because then puzzle aidus. However, if I deny ever having received the deposit, then you do become puzzle for aidus. Why? Again, because in one case there is a logic with you stating that you only denied it, that you did plan on giving it back. You still plan. You're just trying to buy a little bit of time to save face. In the other case, we say no. You were mamishaganov. Hence, you no longer are qualified from involving yourself in any sort of uh, in any sort of testimony. Okay, let's hold it here for today. As then, we'll pick up with Amar Ilfa. We're going to just throw another few lines focusing on Rav Shesh's original statement that if a person's kaifer bepikadon, if a person denies a deposit, he becomes a gazlan. And then we're going to move on to a new sugya as well. Uh, Nine thirty a.m. tomorrow, Bez Hashem. Have a wonderful, wonderful erev Shabbos.